everyone. We have been doing uh, a series of podcasts called Original, where we interview creatives. We interview creatives, and well, the, and the conversations go in all sorts of ways. But the, our intention in creating the original podcast series was to be able to spotlight these particular creatives and have a conversation with them about how their story and their stories shows up in their work. And we've done, uh, we've recorded seven or eight of them, I think, eight. And uh, we figured it was time to have a little review Mm. of where we've got to so far and the things that we've noticed about doing them. Because I I don't know what I thought it was going to be like Mm. doing them. And... But it's different than but it's different than I thought it was. <laughs> yes, I think I got to a point where I was starting to notice themes emerging. I was being interested in the different directions that they'd gone individually, but kind of generally how it felt. And I think when you said, "Oh, why don't we? Why don't we do a podcast looking back at them?" I thought, "Oh, that's a really good idea because." For me, it allows me to kind of draw them together as as one um, kind of strand of exploration, which is what they were intended to be. But as you've said, in a slightly different direction than we could ever have imagined. And uh, as much as I'd love to take credit for the idea, it actually wasn't my idea. It was Alexandra, Alexandra oh. Boyd, who works with us. Who suggested and... we had some conversations with somebody other than ourselves. <laughs> Right. Thanks, Alexandra. Yeah. So, so, oh, oh, no, sorry. Sorry. I'm not listening to you properly. I thought you were talking about whose idea it was to do a roundup. It was Alexandra's idea to do a roundup. Oh. But it was totally my idea to do a, a series of podcasts that, that weren't you and I talking to one another. Well, here we are looking back. And um, mm, what did I, what do I notice? If I think back to the first conversation we had, and it was with Karen Fish, also known as King Frankie Sinatra. Uh, I was fascinated to be taken back to Greenham Common. I mean, one of the reasons why original was chosen as a title was because we were interested in exploring people's origins, the origins of their work. And I think we've asked the question of everybody, take us back to an origin, um, of what you're doing today. And Karen took us to this moment in time, which I remember as, what was I, a student, I guess, um, the ring of women around Greenham Common, and really, really took me into an experience of what it was like to be there intense for months on end, and looking after each other's belongings as one person went and did shopping, and... um, I thought that was just a great immersion into a moment. I really enjoyed that. I think for me, the thing that stood out, I mean, aside from, you know, fantastic to be in a conversation with uh, a lesbian who was around in the sort of, in the 70s, in the Mm. days of uh, lesbian and gay activism. Mm. And Karen fantastically just took us back into her teen years, which were really difficult in relation Mm to her family, but then stepping into who she really was and her activism. And uh, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all fun by any means. You know, it was it was it has been a hard journey for her to to go through. 
Um, but my daughter, who is also a lesbian, commented on that podcast how great it was to have that history and that mm. tradition uh, there for kind a younger recognized. Ge- recognized and there for a younger generation to learn from. And yeah. I, I think that, that is really important. So, you know, she's she's there as a role model. She's a she's a drag yes. king, she's uh, a, a you know, performer, filmmaker, um, and and her heritage is is highly instructive. Yes. As well as being really enjoyable, of course. It was, a, it, was, to. it was a great place to start with Karen because she she knows her story and she's got great um confidence in telling her story and also what she didn't want to tell, which is a great reminder of kind of the ethics of storytelling. There were bits that she was like, that's, that's an error. I don't, I don't wish to kind of review. I don't, I don't need to go back to that. Um, kind of reclaiming the bits of her history, her story that she really did want to celebrate. So that's, that's just a great, that's just a great reminder of that and taking us into the drag world, which I thought, was quite interesting because if we jump forward a few podcasts, Karen took us to that, the birth of um, drag kings, if you like, in in that London scene. Well, although there were Victorian drag kings. Sorry, in the London scene, in in that period, I think there was a kind of resurgence um, along with that activism that you're talking about. But then jumping forward to Sandra Boone, Mm -hmm. who we had a couple of podcasts later... She's what she would describe as a drag thing. Sandra's many things, but jumping forward to Sandra, say say something about what you what you noticed there. Um, Sandra is a genderqueer performer, uh, astrologist. Um, uh, well, the thing that struck me about Sandra's again, she took us back into where she came from, her childhood mm, mm. in Patras in Greece, carnival capital of the world, or, or like the birth of carnival. Yeah. And, and we had a kind of, you know, our conversation with her was both like super cutting edge in terms of how we are viewing uh, gender now yeah. and how the possibilities that drag can be anything, how we define ourselves, how we break free from all conventions mm. and how that feels like completely, it feels like now and it feels like it's, it's the future, it's the way that we're going. And also we went back to a place that was really ancient, ancient Greece and this idea mm. of carnival as being a place where you could just break the bounds of of who you were day to day mm-hmm. and play and party and how that's really important for Sandra. So, you know, what, what thematically those two podcasts are kind of linked, but in a very, they're, they're really different. And I loved both conversations for that. And Sandra taking us back to Greece, you know, birth of theatre, birth of performance, that origin idea, taking us back to now, who's who's the god? Dionysus. Dionysus. Thank you. You know the suggestion that Dionysus should be like a poster on all our walls, as a as the kind of, you know, the the inspiration for all performance expression um, was wonderful. And the drag thing, just to kind of give a little insight into that, being that as you say, all the boundaries. Why would we have boundaries between 
me pretending to be a woman or pretending to be a man yeah. or dressing up or taking on the behaviours and clothing when clothing rights are all being kind of yeah. dismantled. The binary, it, it, it's like we're questioning why Why is there even a gender binary? There isn't. So now, drag thing, yes, I could be a hairbrush. I can be an animal. I can be, an, I can be anything. And I love that. Permission. And permission is something that I think is a theme that's mm. cropped up for me, that a lot of people have registered this idea of giving themselves permission and in giving themselves permission, being able to give permission to other people in different ways. Yeah, I mean, that's... It came up very strongly with JP, JP Heavey. Yes. Who is uh, yes, a stylist. Yes, where do you start? Yeah, where do well, I start? Where, where you started, well, he's he not, was an actor. Yeah, where, he he's an performer. actor, and we had worked together as performers. So he's a performer, actor, now a stylist, mm. about to embark on some uh, study in psychology just to add into the mix. Um, and a lot of that conversation was about creativity and expression through mm. clothes, mm. Uh, you know, and just the link between being an actor and taking on a costume, but how many actors then get put into a box of being a particular sort of person. And JP yes. has, you know, broken out of that and expresses himself magnificently through the clothes that he puts on every day and how he grows his hair and his beard and everything. Yes. Um, and a lot of that conversation was about... How for whatever reason, whether it's uh, about our gender, whether it's about our age, whether it's about our size, mm. whether, you know, culturally we can put ourselves in boxes about our clothes and not feel that we are beautiful and that we can express ourselves. And, and he's all about get out, getting out of the box. Yeah, yeah. And giving yourself permission and validating your expression and that's interesting as you said he's now wanting to explore psychology because it's really about the, the the link between the outside and the inside and how one can feed the other and support the other in a positive way because we know how how it can in a negative way how what we're feeling inside can can um constrain us in in our outward expression but he's all about releasing from that. I think the other thing that came up for me and has come up for me in all of them, you know, we, a lot of our work is about listening. Mm. And of course, when we put ourselves in conversation and, and some of these people we knew before, so mm. they were friends and some we don't know so mm. well. Mm. So it's, it becomes about how in this conversation we are listening to one another and we are creating a listening, aiming to create our listening for them to be as open as possible. Yes. Um, but the theme of listening felt to me like it came up through um, through many of the podcasts. And in JP, you know, okay, now he's studying psychology, but, you know, which is a kind of formalised way, you know, mm, we think of mm. the, the therapist as being somebody who gives a particular listening to somebody. But JP, as a stylist, does that to people too. He yeah. listens to people and he's understanding... You know, what is the particular constraint that this person might have put on themselves? How are they listening to themselves? And if I listen to them with um, this kind of unconditional love almost, actually, yeah. then a very different story begins to emerge. And I think that that's, um, you know, for me, that's come through a number of the podcasts. If I think of 
uh, well, there's Sam Adams, well, who is... I, I think you've mentioned the kind of therapeutic nature of what JP does. And then, of course, that is Sam's role. She's a drama therapist. Yeah. And when you say listening, of course, well, not of course, but you mean listening in the broadest sense, how we listen to other people. We don't just listen with our ears. Um, JP does, does, doesn't just listen to what people say. He's, he's listening to the whole gamut of information that he's getting when he meets somebody and Sam it was really interesting hearing about her journey to become a drama therapist um, from being a performer again through a love of stories and then an interest in her own story alongside that that kind of took her into this drama therapy world. Yeah the thing that really stands out for me from our conversation with Sam was her listening to her ancestors, yeah, you know, this, the ancestral story. Th- this idea that once she once she started exploring her story mm. and her mother's story and And it, her father's story soon as well. Yeah. Which surprised her. Yeah. Um so she went back one generation, but actually once you begin to open up to listening to you know, where where do I come from in the mm-hmm. in the broadest sense, mm-hmm. then Ancestrally, there is so much information that we can get from generations of people before us, a kind of intuition and a knowing and, uh, yeah, just this connection to who we are at the deepest kind of level, which is then really grounding in this present moment. Mm. You know, and that for me is then a link between Sam's work and what Sandra is doing because, you know, Sandra Boom's work is that, if we think about ancient Greece and that ancient listening to our ancestors, which, you know, which Sam is doing again, you know, particularly thinking about her heritage as a woman of colour and listening to her ancestors. I mean, that's a really distinct thing, of course, because her going back a generation to the Caribbean, to her parents... uh, of course, begs the question of what came before them as well. So that she had a wonderful metaphor of a line um, of women going back generation after generation and her her acute awareness and exploration of that is really quite moving to listen to, I think, the Mm. way she's exploring it um, in her creative work. And Uh, Sam, you know, as a a performer and theatre maker understands all about the power of image so in her podcast there are just some you know she she paints with words some fantastic images that that we just see and the and for me also the power of the object i mean we all yeah. sit i mean we're sitting in this room which has objects that we've accumulated over years and that have some we know their provenance and others came from our ancestors and just looking around our shelves and Sam takes us to this one object which just opens cracks open this mm. this emotional space in her history which it gives me goosebumps actually just thinking back to it because that moment she showed us I mean on the podcast you can't see it but we were on a zoom and she showed us this object and it was kind of electric her relationship with this object mm. and what came from this object for her. You just said, you know, listening is not just with our ears, mm. and that takes me to Chris. Chris, Chris Nash. Nash. yeah. Chris Nash, dance photographer, 
extraordinaire. And Interestingly, just to jump in, as I was thinking, you know, we, a lot of these these conversations are with people whose uh, whose creative journey has evolved and morphed from one role discipline activity to another whether it's sandra or sam or jp or karen the different things that they've done but as soon as you mentioned chris yeah he started as a photographer he's a photographer yeah. that's his he's got one golden thread of one discipline that he's become a kind of master at yeah exactly master that was that was the word that comes to me because he's you know he's just got this incredible specialism you know and there's mm. and his work you know when i look on my instagram feed or whatever mm. um his work will will pop up not just shared by him but by other people and there is something so distinct about his work and in the conversation we got to talking about listening and how he you know when he's watching a piece of dance and really tuning in mm. to some dance that he is going to photograph it is like an intense listening of that to look at, you what, know, what's, what's happening here. What's the relationship? What what's are they the communicating dynamic? to yeah. me? Yeah. What's the story that is being communicated? And, you know, he talks about with his camera, find what's what's the moment to find the, you know, and the of course there are many moments. And but how that's it, brilliant in terms of storytelling, and it's not something I remember us really homing in on. But with our storytelling, we're always inviting people to find the specific moment yeah. and of course what makes chris's photos so special is the capturing of a moment you know whether it's a moment of balance where it's like what's what happened before this and what happened after this moment with this person's body how did they get in that position how did these two bodies get that get in that position that that capturing of a moment is really dis distinct in terms of the story you want to convey. Mm. And he's, yes, he's reading, listening to the dancer and the choreographer and the piece in front of him. What does, what is it communicating to me? And then what, which bit of it do I then want to communicate to somebody else who's looking at it in a very different medium? And, you know, and there's Chris working, he, he's a visual artist. He's working mm. in this visual medium. And what was really lovely was that he's a fantastic wordsmith too is a fantastic storyteller and he took us into his origin moment as a as a dance photographer that was great um really beautifully that so was, that was great yes because uh it's very clear he didn't set out to be a dance photographer he didn't know that that was what he was going to be until he knew he got interested in photography and then that yeah. meeting with the dancer and like you say uh, origin moment and we asked him you know do, if we were to say what's your origin he was like oh I know what it was I know he just went straight, <laughs> yes, he went like, straight to it I know which was which was great which was really exciting and then Dipti Bramanka Dipti is the other conversation that we've had and well Dipti as sorry I'm just going to jump on, in because please. You know, the ability that uh, Chris has to take us to a very distinct mm. moment mm. Um, is something also that, that Dipti does. She does it in her work. She does it in the conversation. Um, and, you know, Dipti's ability to thread together a series of moments mm. so that there is, 
you know, so that we un that we understand and we see the whole is now what she's exploring through her work as a playwright. But I think there's a you know, there's a particular skill and a particular tendency in somebody to be a storyteller who who has access to that as as easily as Dipti does. And it's and interesting because it's not, well, I was going to say it's not the primary thing she does in the world. It's becoming more and more the primary thing. When you talk to Dipti, she has numerous projects on the go, creative projects. And every time we speak to her, and it's quite regularly at the moment because we're making something with her again, she's like, oh, yes, but, well, that's the that's the film that I'm doing this summer, the short film I'm making. And we're like, what, what's that? We haven't heard about... Oh, no, I'm sorry, it's the radio play that I've just been working on yesterday. Or I had a reading last night, and we're like, reading of what? Oh, something else I wrote. Or I've been commissioned something. And she's really prolific. And yet, she has a day job. You know, she's a brand consultant. She's a partner in a big agency in New York. And something there was interesting about her... Uh, owning her identity as an artist, as a creative. You know, it's one of our principles. Storytelling is an access to creativity for everybody. And it's like Dipti has just taken that principle and just exploded it. She's She's gone, yeah, I do this other thing. And I'm great at this thing that earns me money. And I'm an artist in all these different ways. I'm creative in all these different ways. And that idea of her identity, one of the first questions we asked her is, you know, I think we called her an emerging playwright. Mm -hmm. And she, we said, what, what, what do you feel about that? And she's like, I love it because you can always be emerging. You know, it's not a young or a new, it's emerging like a chrysalis turning into a butterfly. And I think um, that's great for all of us to think of ourselves People, us who think of ourselves as artists, that we're always emerging. We're always emerging and evolving. And Dipti just lives that. It's the permission thing. It, it's the theme of giving yourself permission to, to be and to do and just mm. to... to to keep unfolding, yeah, as you've said, I like the I like the the butterfly, um, and so that and so that's how that threads together. The thing that's that's really I think important uh, and has run as a theme through a number of them is is representation, and that's very strongly part of. Hmm, I was about to say part of Dipti's mission, but I don't. I think I think she's she's an artist making stuff. And by dint of the fact she's doing that and the kind of stories that she's telling, she, she she opens up this whole issue of representation. I remember her saying, I just, as a as a brown woman or girl, as she describes herself, as an Indian girl growing up in America, just did not see her life represented. Mm. And even pointing to what we see now, and it's much better now than it was, but as she, I remember at one point she says, why is it Emily in Paris? Why isn't it Priya in Paris? Yeah, and like, you know, if I think about some of the other podcasts, like Sam, it's again going into ancestral experience, which mm. is what Dipti does. Mm. You know, Absolutely. She, her connection to her grandmother and, and beyond. And there's one other. And there's one other, and, it, and it's in, in the field of theatre again, and somebody using their own story yeah. really powerfully to... Well, I think it's interesting. It's, a, it's Olivia Hurst, who's 
um, a playwright, theatre maker, performer, writer, actor, um, telling her story in a, a piece of work. And if, it's not the only thing she does. She do, doesn't just use her story as her material. But we were interested in, in how she wrote the piece um, that did take us into her, her experience. Yeah, and, it, and it's funny that you say she doesn't just do that. <laughs> like... Like there would be something wrong with it, even if... She doesn't only, yeah. solely, yeah. sorry. Again, e- language. E- even if that's what she did. But that was kind of reflected in the conversation that she had with her because mm. she talked about coming to this realisation that actually she just wanted to write a play yeah. about her own experience. Um, and kind of had to. And uh, Yeah. It was an imperative. And, and, she, was, and she was compelled to. And, and Anne is a fantastic piece of work mm. but that was the loop that she went through that like mm. you know really can't you know, just this, be about me can it can't it? just be about me can't just be about my experience um and yet of course what she was doing in terms of representation is she was opening up a, a, an issue um that that enabled people to talk about it and come to her and say i'm so so pleased you've made this piece you know what i got from watching your piece yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, she. Um, I can't, can I give a spoiler about what? Yeah, yes, I guess, of course. of course. We talked about it. Um, carrot being a carrier of the BRCA1 gene, a yes. breast cancer gene, um, which fits into thematically this idea the things that we carry genetically huh. in our bodies from our ancestors. And she carries a physical thing. Um, will give you a high likelihood of developing certain sorts of cancers um, Mm. which had cropped up in her family so the you know the work is about the biology this physical thing that is in her body and and it's also you know a kind of a a recognition to the havoc that that particular gene played Mm. in her family and it's about her autonomy and kind of deciding this is what I'm going to do with that and this is how I'm going to live my life in in the face of that threat. Um, it was very uh, empowering to hear how she took that on and made that into something that she could share. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, golly. The, <laughs> it's brilliant actually going over these conversations really to remember all of them because yeah. uh, there's so much in all the conversations. There's so much in all the conversations about being about what it is to be an artist and who gets to call themselves an artist and creativity and where our creativity resides and Mm. the different forms that it takes and how so much of that is about, you know, uh, listening in to yourself Mm. and then allowing that creativity to emerge. And that happens at different points in different people's lives. But, you know storytelling is our access to creativity and in that sense everybody has a story so that means that everybody has an access to creativity and I think just to trail two podcasts that are yes we've got two in the bank we've got two in the bank that will be coming out over the next few weeks and both of them uh, absolutely fit into that two um, emerging artists (laughs) in the way that all artists are emerging one Elizabeth Ng Wong who is a filmmaker. Yeah. Um, amazing conver- conversation there about 
heritage, identity, ancestry, identity, and how creativity, you, yeah, and how your story shapes how you think of yourself in the world. Yeah, and Adebayo Bolaji, who is um, a visual artist, well, an artist mm. of all sorts. Actually, yeah. I'm not even gonna. I'm. I'm not even gonna put any multidisciplinary. He's a multidisciplinary artist. I worked with him first of all as a performer. We were performers together, and and now he creates the most extraordinary art of all kinds. He's a Londoner of Nigerian heritage, and, and really interestingly, as a little uh, as a little trail for for what hooked me in that conversation was the as we talk about the dynamic between the listener and the teller in a story and he was is fascinated by the dynamic between the listener of his his artwork the view of his artwork that space between the thing he's made and the brain of the person looking at it which I think is great yeah so listen in original podcasts more on their way <laughs>